The Press Box is here to catch you up on the latest media stories. Hosted by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, these guys have the insight on the biggest stories you care about. Check out The Press Box on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio podcast. I'm Musa Kwanga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm all right, thanks, man. How are you? Well, let's be honest. There have been better, better conditions in which to record podcasts. Better days. Yes, yes. Better weeks. Yes, far better, far better. Uh, I mean, we hope everyone else is staying safe, staying well. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, we obviously woke up this morning on this side of the ocean, learning the news about Grant Wall, mm. who. Uh, sadly passed away in Qatar. He became ill towards the very end of the Argentina-Netherlands game last night. Um, we found out this morning. And just, yeah, sending all of our love, sympathies, thoughts to his family, his close friends, and uh, the entire um, US soccer community who he just did an unimaginable amount. Mm, yeah, yeah. I didn't know Grant super well. Spoke to him a few times. You you did a little bit. Got to know him a bit. It's, it's, it's a funny one. It's a classic thing of the internet age where we only actually hung out one day in person. Um, yeah. But we'd been in touch since 2012. So it was so strange. Because at first I was like, when I heard the news, it took about two hours to sink in. And it was, it was bad. It, there were like three, I think there were three stages during the day where I was like, it hit me really, really hard in waves. And I was like, I hung out with him once for like a day. Like, how is, and then I suddenly thought, well, it's because in the sort of internet age, social media age, you're exchanging DMs, messages, you're sharing each other's work, and also you're seeing how someone approaches the world mm. and approaches life. Um, and I think the thing about sadness or grief or whatever we call it, it's not, um, it's not dishonest. Uh, if you have a certain level of interaction with somebody, um, you can't fake it. No, and, that, and that's the thing. So, you know, just in terms of how it felt, yeah, I think we were both pretty, obviously, naturally quite sort of 
shaken by it. I would say the one thing about the US soccer thing, it's funny because that was a big part of the, it was amazing to see all the tributes from current former footballers, men and women, pundits in the US mm-hmm. scene, but also more broadly than that, you know, you had LeBron James coming out and saying, yeah. thank you for the incredible cover story you wrote on me when I was a teenager, you came to Akron and reported on it. JJ Reddick on the broadcast just last night. Unbelievable. And then there were those sort of big names, but then also internationally seasoned journalists um, really taken aback, upset by the news. And then just the stories from just so many people going, oh yeah, he helped me do this. He helped me do that. And these were all people who Grant helped and asked for nothing in return or helped them knowing there's nothing realistically they could offer him in return. He just did it, which is kind of incredible. Yeah. It's so sad. He mentioned on his podcast and in his uh, writing that he had been feeling unwell and that, yeah, you know, bronchitis about bronchitis and just someone who was just working so hard. Uh, you know, it was even to those who didn't know him, you could see how hard he was working. It was frightening actually. When I looked at the yeah. workload that he had on, we talked, um, when we met up a couple of years ago, he was doing this brilliant um, documentary about US players in Germany. And he'd been laid off uh, by Sports Illustrated and he was like starting out on his own and starting his Substack and doing film. And I was just like, this man is like pushing it. Like this, he's in his mid forties and he's almost starting from scratch again, starting his own platforms. And he built even in that short time, something pretty incredible. Like his updates were superb. Mm. And the quality, I've got to say this as well, the things that Grant covers, I've written about stuff that's worried me, frightened me before. I've written stuff, you know, pieces of uh, opinion pieces. This man has been writing deeply reported investigative journalism within an autocratic state and going to like FIFA events. And the most, the most I think you, you sent me this incredible tweet by I think the head of FIFA Media Relations. Brian Swanson, yeah. Yeah, Brian Swanson. I was like, the fact that the head of FIFA Media Relations an organization that Grant goes at with intensity, real intensity, like, you know, the man is like full court press. The fact that they look and they're like, you want us to be the best version of ourselves. Even after all the hard, the hardcore reporting you do on us, you hold us to account and you're fair. That is the greatest tribute. And that picture they had of him, it was in a seat 306. Where he would have been sitting for the uh, England France, in France game. game. I just saw that and thought, my God, like when you go that hard after an organization, institution, and they're like, no, actually, thank you. What greater measure is there than that? It's uh, pretty extraordinary. He set the standard. You know, if I think of all the, the creative risks, the intellectual, the moral, the personal risks that a writer could take, an advocate could take, a journalist and a community activist at some point, really, as a community organizer at some level in terms of what he built, a community enabler, he set the standard. And that, I think, is... Um, that, that will endure, I think. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you 
and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, man, there were two games of football that took place today. There were. And I imagine Grandma would have loved them both. I think that is an absolutely fair assessment. Utterly fair, particularly since he kind of called one of them, actually. Which one should we start with, actually? I think we should start with Morocco beating Portugal. I think that's right. We go from the top. Because it's historic. It's huge. We spoke about them getting to the quarterfinals for the first time, and they've now become the first ever African side to make it to the semi-final of the World Cup, Men's World Cup. And they deserved it. I think they... Oh, without question. They deservedly threw. There were a number of things that I thought Portugal could have done to cope a little bit better with the Morocco threat, but we can touch on those in a little bit. What did you think? I just thought that they were so smart. I actually drew, I drew a comparison, which I got an absolute hailstorm for. I compared them to the 2004 Greece team. Uh, oh. Yeah, my, my reasoning being that Greece had, the one the Euros, Greece had, like them, they were very fit, fearless, had players based at top clubs throughout Europe. So had no- Beat Portugal. Yeah, no, and yeah, beat Portugal with a single goal, had no fear of the unknown, great from set pieces, tactical aerial threat, and was smart at adjusting. Very smart. The thing about Morocco here, the adjustments they made, Regragui, brilliant again. And just the little, the little touches and Amrabat playing the masterclass again in defensive midfield again. And this is the thing now. People see Morocco coming in the same way they see Croatia coming, but they can't stop it. Yeah, you know why though? I was thinking about this today. I was thinking about like, why? Because I had already heard someone, I can't remember who it was, but someone was talking about, on a, I was watching an English broadcast earlier on and someone was already talking about that if England beat France, that's the final. Because no disrespect to Morocco, but you know. See that, that right like, there. See, this is the thing. And the same thing is happening with Croatia. Everyone's kind of, that everyone knows that there is a possibility that you may not win, but no one's actually really taking Embraced that it. seriously, I don't yes. think. And to be honest, I don't think France will actually take it that seriously, as seriously as they should, let's say, because it would not surprise me to see Morocco in the final. Not at all. Not at this point. Not at all. No, because they have nothing to fear. And if you think about it now, for France, I mean, especially for a, for a country like France, it's like, it is, they have everything to lose in this game. See, Argentina have, Argentina have fixed up. Since Argentina were messing around in that first half with some of that finishing mm -hmm. against Saudi Arabia, they fixed up. They haven't looked cocky since. They have not looked cocky once. Some of the risks that... I mean, they were a little bit gnarly post-game. Of course they were, but they, they were say, definitely not but, complacent. They were, they were anything but complacent. They, were, they, were, they fought for <laughs> sometimes too much. Um, yeah. Whereas... Anything they weren't complacent enough <laughs> in a World Cup quarter. And so Fernandez smacking ball bench. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, well. <laughs> can you, can you imagine half time team talk, guys? I think we need to be just a little bit more complacent, not too much, <laughs> but just more a little tiny bit more complacent. <laughs> Boss going into the shootout, just be, just, just, more complacent. just a little bit more complacency, please, guys. <laughs> no, that you said this perfectly. Like, um, weirdly enough, and we'll get into that later. The um, France uh, England game, the moment. France won, I thought actually that suits Morocco better because I think, yeah. I think that's a better matchup. I think that actually England-Morocco was a much better matchup for, um, it was a worse matchup for Morocco than France. I think France is a way better opposition. Yeah. And I actually think that the England-France game gave Morocco a lot to learn from. Oh my goodness. They were studying the patterns. Yeah. Listen, they're looking at this game, brother, we can feast. Brother, we can yeah. feast. <laughs> yeah. 
Because if you think, what, what, what have we said uh, Morocco have been really good at in the past few games? Is they've been able to just absorb quite a, Vast quite a large amount of pressure. Shock absorbers. And then they just torch teams on the break. Again, 27% possession they had in this game. Yeah. But created 1.4 XG compared to Portugal's 0.92. Efficiency should have been 2-0, to be honest. Very late on. It should, should have, have been there was one. There was, yeah, that one when they broke and there was like, Three on two? Should have gone round the keeper. Was it? It was a one on one. Should have gone oh. round the keeper. But listen, it's minor criticisms. Of oh, record. that was another one. That was There was a second one where they broke and they, there was a pass that kind of looped over. Oh, yes. Good point. Yeah, no, no. Right, yeah. right, right. So, and this is the thing. So, couldn't should have been 2 0. And mm. but back. Do you want to talk about the goal? Well, yes. See, now this also, the looping cross and just Diogo Costa coming for it and not being assertive. And Nessery mm. just going over the top, like there was something, and this is why I drew, I think the, the Greece comparison, just that ability to go in there and be decisive in that moment to really attack and the tentative nature. I think it was funny because the way that Diogo Costa approached that high ball was almost symptomatic of how Portugal went after this game. I don't mm. think they were ready. Do you know, it actually reminded me of when Iceland went on that run in the Euros. And everyone that played Iceland was half a step slow because they underestimated the, the quality of the press. A bit like Brazil against Croatia. Brazil underestimated the quality of the Croatia press. You could see for the first two, three minutes of that game, Brazil were bewildered by how fast they were on, the, on, the, on their toes. Mm. And I feel this is a similar thing. Portugal, to their credit, looked at the game against Spain and thought, we're not going to get beaten like that. And to their credit, they got beaten slightly differently, but they still got beaten. They were thinking, let's add some higher tempo smart, fair, let's go long a bit more. Okay, I see that. But the problem is Morocco were like, yeah, these are measures. You've got measures, but we've got countermeasures to your countermeasures, if that makes sense. So Morocco oh. anticipated, Morocco anticipated. Was that, was that B-side of a... <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Womack and Womack? <laughs> conscience to my conscience on the other side of the B-side was just like countermeasures to my countermeasures. <laughs> <laughs> No, Morocco were more like Morocco were like stars upon stars upon stars is what I have. <laughs> hey, but you know what? Afterwards, for Portugal, there were teardrops in their eyes. <laughs> oh, reference is just throwing them out, bangers, straight heaters. We should get a podcast now. We shouldn't now. No, 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 no. <laughs> but what I loved about what Morocco did, they were anticipating Portugal might try something different going longer, mm. more direct, and they soaked all that up too. Even went to a back three at the end. In, in the end, it went to a back three. So, well, to be fair, it was a back three slash seven, <laughs> which was like, <laughs> which, I don't know why, there's something about it that I just love. I love in the late stages of a knockout tournament, especially like the World Cup or the Euros or AFCON or anything like that, where it's straight, straight knockout, no two legs. When like for, there is a little while that all of a sudden they realise they're like trying to pull you see sometimes like centre-backs pulling more players in and then they realise they've got eight in a line uh, and they're like, oh, actually, shit, guys, we've got too many. Like, step no, out, step dude, out. It's like, it's like, in, like in the two towers when like Helm's Deep, when they're being attacked by everyone and they're like, fall back, fall back to the keep, <laughs> retreating into the mountain. There's <laughs> just orcs at the door and they're going, please. I would love it. I would love it just once in a press conference after a game. If a coach gets asked and they're like, oh my goodness, incredible tactics across the back five at the back and the coach was like, to be honest, we just threw everyone at the back. It wasn't tactics. I wanted to play a pioneering 11-0-0 formation. No, I don't even want to keep her. I don't even want to keep her. We're playing, we're playing 11 at the back. I just want one coach to say, 
it wasn't tactics. It was sheer desperation. It was sheer naked, yeah. sheer naked terror. Tactics? <laughs> what? <laughs> but Morocco, to their credit, they fanned out really well. They did. And then the thing is that when, when Portugal, on the few occasions that Portugal did get a, a bit of a sniff in that second half, mm. Bono was just sublime. Oh, so like, good. That, that one that he hit from Jao Felix, that he saved from Jao Felix. <laughs> Jesus Christ, like real time. <laughs> I think it looks, I, th- I don't think the save looks as good on the replay because it's slowed down and it looks closer to him. Right. But oh my God, that shot was traveling. That was one of the, like, and clean. That would have been clean. an ultimate half volley. Caught so clean. Um, and I thought Jao Felix was actually, I saw him getting a bit of stick. Strange. Strange. And I, I couldn't understand that. I think that actually what we saw in this, in this game is, I think something that happens quite a lot, you tend to see it in the Champions League where, you know, you see a team like come alive all of a sudden in, in one one round mm. and then they try that same thing again against different opposition and it just doesn't work the same way. Like, this Portugal just didn't really pop off the same way that they did against Switzerland. Because the gaps aren't there, yeah. If you look at the last two games actually in contrast to each other, how important the smallest moment can be for the outcome of a game. It, and in isolation doesn't seem that big, but in terms of momentum, how the game state changes, and I thought that was an, like this was a proper example of what could have been. Yes. It's like, it's like the other, one of the other universes in the multiverse. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. And pe- people um, drawing the wrong conclusion from the right result. Yeah, but I did have a, I think Fernando Santos, I think he made the right choice at the wrong moment. Okay. I think he brought Ronaldo on too early because actually I thought Portugal still had quite a lot in them and if they'd been able to move Morocco around a little bit more. Ronaldo did quite well though, actually. He did, he did. But this is my point. I think that if you look at when he came on, mm. it was the, it was the 51st minute and he that's, came on from Ruben That's Neves. too early, that's too early. I yeah. thought that was too that's early. That's like 20 minutes too early. And uh, they took off uh, Rafa Guerrero for Jao Cancelo as well. That's a mistake because that gets you narrow. I still gets think you narrow. too gets early. You narrow. I think that those two changes, the changes that you make with 20 minutes to go, if it's still the no, same No, that's a good shout. Because yeah, that's a good shout. Ronaldo caused, caused Morocco a couple of problems, but he didn't cause them enough problems. And I think if he'd come on later in the game, if you look at the small amount of chances that he did manage to create in that time when he came on, imagine if that had been against an even... More tyres. Uh, yeah, they've been loosened more up. More tyred defence. That's a good shout, you know. There was a- because Morocco weren't really causing Portugal. It wasn't like Portugal were, were on the back foot massively in that second half. There all. was a moment, there was a real flashback to 2012 when he was playing for Real Madrid, Ronaldo, where Cristiano where Do you remember that goal he scores to clinch the league at the camp now? Mm. I think Ozil puts him in. And he goes around the keeper and hits it near post. And I thought there's a moment when he hits it really, really clean. Actually, it's a very good save. Just after he came on. It's a really good save, yeah. actually, from Bono. I remember thinking, whoa, like... And you could see in Ronaldo, there were flashes where mm. assists, touches, there was a great layoff for the strike by, I think, by um, Joao Felix. And actually, Joao Felix, if he's put that six inches to the left, it's in the top corner. Yeah. And it's one of those ones, to the left, you, you, to, the to, the left, left. to the left. <laughs> I can't not say that. Why we sing on this podcast? I know, it's ridiculous. It's, the fact that neither of us can sing and we do it far too often. They can't stop us. They can't stop us. Actually. That's why. That's actually why we haven't got another producer because we know that all those bits will be cut. But uh, we're in control for now. <laughs> it's late. All right, let us live. Exactly. Let us live. Let's have our take our pleasures where we will. Um, but Morocco really resilient. Portugal, I think it's fair to say, blinked first with those changes. Too many, too early. Yeah. You change one of you know. 
Cancelo coming in for Guerrero again. I mean, I don't think there was a knock. There could, I didn't notice that there was a knock or anything. I thought, just that- yeah, just I think there's a width issue there. Um, and Morocco, they got what they wanted. Again, Amrabat's performance. I know I keep talking about this, but it was funny because after we spoke, I had a look around at who he's being linked to, and there was talk of Liverpool actually. Um, you know, yeah, and that, that, yeah. no, no, but that list of suitors is going to increase. It's going to increase. Whatever, whatever clubs are actually yeah. on that list. You know, he'll end up at Lille. That's where he'll end up. That's the kind of club that Amrabat will end up at. It's a vibe, though. It it's is a vibe. vibe. Why is that? And that's not a diss. On like, <laughs> I listen, but but you, do you know what I mean? Or I think it's just a, it's a playing style, isn't it? Betis actually, Betis. He's got better. Oh goodness! Him and Nessery yeah. across the town in the derby. Honestly, just the quality of Morocco. I, I can't emphasize enough whether they have to play on the counter and Ziek just tucking in, playing little touches in and around, closing down players, turning. Yeah, but can we give a shout out actually to Unahi? Yeah, because putting work. I, I think for all of the Amrabat love, uh, he, was in, he was essential in this game because um, he apparently completed the most dribbles in the game. And that outlook, Unai is an outlet for like carrying the ball, relieve the pressure on Morocco at some very. I want. I want, very, I want to talk about Unai. Time. Basically, if Unai had, do you remember that David Neres went that incredible run for Ajax in the Champions League? Oh God, but yeah. he was just basically missing one or two signature goals. Unai is the yep. same as Neres in that run. If, if basically, and I, look, Neres brilliant player. If Neres had just had one or two more key bits of composure in key areas, he would have elevated himself in terms of the way people talked about him to a delit. I think, honestly, or, or even a, a De Jong or a Van de Beek. He wasn't, quite in, he wasn't quite mentioned in that category. And I think that Unahi was the same here. One or two more composed pieces of finishing. And it's not a knock on him. It's just like, if he had one signature goal to add to this run, his name would be in lights. Because he really was that good. He was like a Di Maria. You know, you give him the ball and he's just off. And he has that incursion. Such a great outlet, as you say. And breaking with such intelligence. And the thing about the beauty of that is it just keeps, it keeps the opposition honest. With someone like Rodri at centre-back for Spain, you're basically saying as a message to the opposition, oh, we're expecting you to lie so deep, we won't press you and cause trouble. And I think that's the thing slightly with Portugal's configuration. People look at Morocco and go, oh, they're going to sit deep, they'll get a low amount of possession. Yeah, they'll sit deep, but when they break, they're going to come at you. They'll come at you like 2016 Atleti with Griezmann there, snarling on your toes. And all of a sudden, they've advanced 70 yards in the blink of an eye. So just because Morocco are defensive doesn't mean they are unambitious. And I think that is what has caught a lot of people slipping with, with Morocco so far. And the only other team, actually, it's why Croatia, it's why Croatia Morocco, despite being a nil-nil to start the tournament, would be a fitting final because they would be the two least complacent teams left in the tournament. Neither of those teams have looked cocky at any point, mainly because they couldn't afford to, but also because they simply haven't been. If someone doesn't wake up to Morocco quick, they're going to be lifting the bloody trophy. Yeah, yeah, they really are. It's going to be like the end of the opening scene of The Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> They've robbed the bank by themselves, yeah. How, how did they do it? Incredible. They're now the, home, they're the host nation. They're the captain now. They're the captain now. They are. And the thing is, if it goes to an Argentina final, yeah. Argentina-Morocco final, that is essentially going to play like a Classico. In, in that atmosphere because those two sets of fans Bingo. have been like probably the biggest the most like raucous set of fans there. Can, can I, yeah, yeah. it's felt like a home game for every Argentina game and it's felt like a home game for every Morocco game and like in terms of as a neutral and for the actual best 
vibe of a of a final. That's the shout. Okay, you know we're going to call it actually. Do you know it because I love that classical shout because we have to call it. Um, Apologies to any French or Croatian fans listening. Yes, absolutely. And I say this as well. Um, without I have to say apology to Argentina fans. I'm going to start calling it. Nedoth, my favorite Argentinian footballer, Redondo's Law. Redondo's Law states that with every passing round of a major international tournament, twice mm. as many Argentinians will be in the town as the round before. That's Redondo's Law. They'll carry on doubling and doubling and doubling, right? <laughs> so just as we record this podcast, the number of Argentines in Qatar is doubling as we speak. That's wild. Redondo's Law. And Argentina fans... You know this is the truth. You know it. <laughs> I've seen it with my own eyes. Getting on a train carriage. Argentina beating Italy 3-0 in the finalissima. I'm coming home to my mum's place. <laughs> One train carriage. And just every single oh, stop more Argentines got. Incredible. Incredible. Redondo's law. <laughs> wow. Also, can I say, Argentina final, Morocco final, the food, Ryan. Oh, the food. <laughs> sorry, sorry. French food ain't bad. Oh, yeah. But Morocco, Morocco, Argentina final. Croatian is... food too. Up in Vedding. For the... Oh my God. The Croatians, God. man. They're not playing about. They are not playing about. Dude. Can I say one thing, just before I finish um, on this point, one of the lovely things about Croatia going on a run in the, uh, in the World Cup is seeing how many like Croatia fans there are in the US, the NBA, like Zach Lowe, <laughs> Croatian heritage, <laughs> knocking back the shots. And I was like, wow, my worlds are crossing over. This is beautiful. Is is great to see. Um, so Portugal are out. Yes, Morocco deservedly through. Yes. Do we need to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo? Uh, I think it's fair to mention. You know, obviously, the journey he's had with the national team. It yeah. comes to, it would seem maybe an end now. I mean, who knows where further? Certainly, it looks like being his last World Cup. And do you think he'd hold on for another Euros? Uh, very possibly, but the World Cup is very different. I think this tournament has really reminded us just how different the World Cup is. The fact that everyone's watching it, everyone's watching it, like every background walk of life, um, the World Cup feels different. And Portugal, they had the goods to go the whole way. They did have the quality in that squad to get it done. I think that's got to be the painful thing. And I think weirdly enough, I think actually, you saw from the play he had when he came on, I think he'd accepted that role, you know. This is the irony, actually. Watching mm-hmm. him play in these minutes, I was like, oh, he's accepted it because he didn't play with selfishness. He actually created, he laid the ball off. He played as a target man. He was on the front foot. He um, rationed his sprints very carefully. So accelerated into space. He actually did the work. That's the irony of this performance. It was his best performance in the limited role that I'd seen from him and he'd accepted it. And now he's gone. And this Mm. is the irony that if Portugal had gone and won this tournament, which they're absolutely capable of doing, um, he would have done so as someone who was like, oh, I embrace my reduced role and that's one of the reasons we did it. So it's a bit of an irony, actually, given the, the two months that he's had where he kind of was the prima donna. He ended as, he kind of ended as a team player, which is um, one of the strange quirks, one of the many strange quirks of this, this tournament, this unique tournament. He did become the men's joint leading international appearance maker. Goodness. Along with uh, Bade Ahmed Al-Matawi from Kuwait on 196. Um, that is wild. And Sochin An from uh, Malaysia, apparently. Goodness. Uh, he's the player with the most international captain men fo- men's football, but some of them weren't recognised by FIFA. So FIFA recognised, let's say. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be very difficult for him to 
to, I mean, a lot of it, I think, will depend on where he ends up at playing club football. Yeah, good point. Maybe he could still be involved if he wants to be or in, you know, in the next Euros. I'm, I'm just not entirely sure. I think this felt like... It looked and felt fine. It felt well. like a very natural end point for him mm. in, in, in terms of his international career. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's had a pretty amazing international career, especially with that Euros win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It just feels like there's not really a lot of news around what, what he's going to do next. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's going to be Morocco through to face France. And we'll talk about France after the break. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Uh, All right, man, before we move on to... England 1, France 2. Just a quick shout for Wrighty's House tomorrow. Carl Anker, Musak Wonga, Ian Wright. Goodness me. We'll be talking about France versus England, England versus France. And also, they'll t- I think, probably about the, the semi-finals. So don't forget to check that out. That'll be up Sunday afternoon, European time, on the Wrighty's House feed. And don't forget, I actually said it was today because I got my days mixed up because of one we're doing but it's Sunday full full women's super league schedule uh, Manchester Derby at the Etihad Stadium so make sure you get the lowdown on that on counterpressed with Flo and the gang on Monday but uh, yeah let's turn our attention to France's win over England 2-1 an Olivier Giroud winner sounds like a, a very common thing I think England did really well in this game actually I think so too and just lacked a couple of what's the word well obviously they could have taken it to extra time or even won the game had Harry Kane scored that second penalty really weird because when he went when he was lining up I was thinking just go down the middle but obviously just a little bit lower was it like didn't, didn't, didn't Germany beat was it Germany beating France in 2014 um, with the header the header from Hummels and France did a lot of really good things but just didn't quite put it all together and it felt like mm. that it felt like a moment when France could have kicked on. France could have gone a tournament earlier, but didn't quite have the, um, they didn't grasp the initiative. And England yeah. were the same in this, where, to be honest with you, the thing that kept um, England from the, wolf, the, the English wolf from the door was Griezmann throughout. Antoine mm. Griezmann was spectacular in this match throughout. He's been, he's been amazing. He's been amazing the entire tournament. And this, if someone had said to you, Ah, oh, Griezmann's actually going to have a better World Cup in 2022 than 2018. I said, like, no. Griezmann 2018 World Cup was utterly decisive and always showed up. And here he somehow outdone himself. He was defensively spectacular. Every time, there's a quite a few times actually, England got France to panic in and around their box. And Griezmann would be playing out with his left foot, with his right foot, flicking it off, turning it. Some of the stuff he did actually in centre mid was like Modric actually. There's times the ball came in really tight to feet and he just turned and spun off his man. Time and again, changing the tempo. And what he does is he allows Shuermany, who was very good for much of the game, but still had a couple of errors, uh, you know, revealing maybe the age. Um, Rabio as well is the kind of the first, he's the first into the attack and presses, but with intensity, not always the best um, shape. 
Griezmann held that team together actually. Because I mean, yeah, behind them, yeah, they, because behind them, Apamecano has. Uh, he didn't have. A he had, he had a chaotic outing. Should have given away that foul on Harry Kane, which well, I don't think was a penalty. I don't think it would have been given as a penalty had it gone to VAR because I don't think the foul continued into the box. So I think it would have been awarded as a free kick. Right, on fair, the edge. fair, fair. Um, so not as drastic a call as it as it would have been had it been inside the box. Right, and I think the quality of England's chance creation. England just had yeah. ideas. This is the thing, the entire tournament, look at the goals that England basically put together from open play in this tournament. We look at Senegal, for example. They were constructing the play so well. You saw Bellingham's movement. Bellingham occupying spaces in the left-back position, and then it was high on the right wing as well. Like Bellingham, Bellingham's movement, the dynamism that Henderson showed, and, and Declan Rice, yeah. and Declan Rice. Yeah, I thought this was, there was a slight issue here, though, in the sense that it was better, better second half, quite often in the first half. Both Henderson and Rice moved a little bit too... Similarly. Too much into the pockets on opposite sides of the pitch, which left a... It, it allowed... It didn't allow France to kind of like just sit in there, but it was made it really difficult for England to play through France's midfield. Okay. In the second half, they were a little bit more... Right, okay. Uh, they seemed a little bit tighter in that way. Like either Rice would sit or sit more centrally, Henderson would pull out. And actually you saw a couple of times that that opened up a little space for Bakayo Saka to drop centrally. Mm. Get, get the ball. There was a couple of times where Saka drove in that second half direct at France. He got a free kick. Uh, it was the thing that led to the penalty. In the first half, England were going wide quite a lot and I think they were doing quite well there. Mm. Second half, they were going a little bit more through France and I think they did quite well in that sense. In terms of how they actually played, yeah. I thought England did fine. There was just a couple of moments where uh, they overcommitted going forward and that was when not panic set in, but you, you could tell that they'd worked so hard on a game plan to stop Mbappe's threat down that left-hand side. Yes. And I think, bar two moments, this is the quietest, well, I mean, it is the quietest we've seen him in the tournament so far. Mm. I think he was told to expect no joy. Yeah, well, this is yeah. the thing. I think this is actually a really mature Mbappe performance because yes. he knew that he wasn't going to get a lot and he didn't try and hero ball it. No. Which is a real temptation for a lot of players in this situation when they know he didn't keep running into coverage, did he? he? No, no, he even, even really the times well. he, he did, he, he popped it out. Even in, when he did, he popped it between yeah. them into space in field. Yeah, I mean, it led to the goal. I think his his him and his him as an outlet for the first goal, which I think was a foul on Saka. To be fair, I can't believe it wasn't given. That up. happened a lot, didn't it? It's funny how it's funny how it did. It's yeah. funny, you know. Can I say with Saka, fouling Bakayo Saka? It feels like it's a global currency. The amount that it has tender everywhere. Like it's, oh, you Dude, do that here like, too. It's, no, but it's like the, the, the outrage that it generates when it's someone you care about is like, you know, when the Brazilian guy moved the cap from yes. Vinicius. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. You're like, why are you do what? Only people who like, you know, Bacayo, basically like there are Bacayo people and there are not Bacayo That's people. right. Like there are cat people and there are not. And if you're not a Bacayo person, I'm Listen. judging you. I'm judging you. I'm silently judging you. Listen, I like cats and dogs. So, shout out to Christine Cooper who said that Brazil were doomed the moment they yes, dumped that cat off the press, the press conference table. Absolutely were. And this is the thing, like, if you don't give fouls on Pacayo when they should be fouls, I'm trying to think of the equivalent but weren't, because but the referee can't really win all these. But there weren't consequences, were there? That's the thing. There were no consequences. There weren't. The Are thing. there ever consequences? Are there ever consequences? The way this man, and there was a great tweet, actually, Miguel Delaney, um, shout out to him. He said, France worried about Saka since the beginning of this game. And it was completely yeah. accurate. Yeah, I mean, they were. They would, And I think that the thing that I would say in this game is that, first of all, this is a France side that is missing some obscenely gifted footballers. Yes. And they're still pretty good. Yeah. However, 
I genuinely think the singular side was better. I and agree. I know that a few people might be like, huh, what the hell are you talking about? But I think that from the, I'm not sure if we said it on the pod, but when we were talking about it, as soon as the England got through, I was like, I think England can beat France. Oh yeah. I was actually, I felt pretty, pretty, not confident, but I felt pretty calm about it because I thought that like, uh, England are probably, in terms of depth, I think England are the deepest squad in the tournament. Yeah, that was the best squad that just went out. Obviously, it's now France, but yeah. that, that England yeah, yeah, yeah. squad, I think, was the best of the I think last it few. was. And maybe, maybe not uh, absolute, unbelievable lights out. They, brought, they don't have the best players in the tournament, I don't think. I th- although I think ba- uh, Bellingham and Saka, I think we're in a shout for yeah. it because they've both played extremely well. You know, they don't have Mbappe, they don't have Messi, they don't have that kind of player yet. But they got eight out of ten across the board. That's the thing that, that and and I think what and I think you saw that in this game, like we mentioned before, Okumakano had a real, he had a couple of really hairy moments against Kane. Kane turned him earlier on in that yes. game as well before the penalty, uh, before the penalty slash free kick shout. Yeah, um, they couldn't deal with Saka down that left hand side, their left hand side. And I actually thought Kunde, <laughs> you can you can tell that it's 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 not rare, but like Kunde. He doesn't go up against a player like Phil Foden every week at right back. No, no, no. But who does? Some of the things Foden did in this game, actually, this was the most, this was the, this was the most Bernardo Silva I've seen Phil Foden. In yeah. terms of, there's a, the, there's a bit of ball recovery on the edge of the box where the ball's behind him and he drags it into his feet. And it's one of those things that doesn't show up on a stat, but like mm. the way he pulled the ball out of trouble in defensive area and broke ground, mm. some of the ways that he smuggled the ball through the guts of midfield, reminiscent, I think, of almost like sort of peak Moussa Dembele at Spurs. He does, oh, he does such underrated by the way still, oh, yeah, I think. still. apart from apart from Spurs listen, fans those who know no listen um, Phil Foden did some really impressive things and such a hard player to mark yeah you know just always thinking turning twisting like anticipating and Kunde you know that's just a great matchup all over the pitch of these matchups I gotta say they handled um, Usman Dembele better than most yeah better than most I don't think uh, Dembele and Mbappe have both been that quiet in the tournament so I totally far. Again, agree. I'm not saying that they've been, I'm not saying that they were poor. I just think that, I think Luke Shaw has had a low key, pretty unbelievable tournament. Yes, yes, him. yes. Um, and I think to be honest, Stones and Maguire have played extremely well as a pairing in the middle. Maguire's stock is way back up, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And, you know. And the ultimate compliment, getting fouled on the edge of the box in the final minute, because actually, he was rated that much because they thought he might do some damage there. <laughs> you know, this is yeah. the thing. This is the thing about um, yeah, Maguire and Stones went to a high level, but then we just have to talk about the opening goal very quickly from Chouamani. Oh, well, let's 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 do the goals because we've talked yeah. a little bit about England there for context, yeah. and we've talked a bit about France. But I think that yeah, let's talk about France. Yeah, so um, the opening goal from Chouamani gets laid into his feet. This strike, now here's when the first when I first see it, I'm thinking, ah, oh, it's like his pick was footwork, not quite on it. Then I saw the replay from behind the, the ball. Yeah, it moves a bit. Ryan, the thing moves. It moves the length of the sofa. It, moved, it, was, it, was, it, was, it started off like <laughs> in one postcode and ended up like on the edge of another district. It was really that. Like it really, really moves. <laughs> he catches it really clean and he has a really good sight of it. He's always got a slight step up to it and he's in complete space. And maybe the only conclusion I can draw is it's easy to be critical of England there, but I think it's because they'd nullified so many of the other threats. My question was always, if you're going to clamp down on, if you're on a double team, triple team Mbappe and double team Dembele, what are you doing in the excess space? And Chiumani was like, we're going to do this. Now let's just quickly give this man a quick tribute because 
I have not seen a player ascend to international prominence this quickly since Kaká. When Kaká came to um, AC Milan, Rivaldo and Rui Costa were ahead of the pecking order. Within six months, he displaced him. I think I said this before. This man mm-hmm. came and displaced Casemiro or replaced Casemiro for Real Madrid and replaced Kante and leapfrogged Camavinga. Camavinga. That Camavinga. Yeah. I've never seen a player so quickly rise ahead of outstanding candidates. Because we've seen Gavi, you know we've seen Gavi come in. And you alluded to it. What's that? It's the, it's the trim. It's the tr- thank you. Yeah, it's the trim, isn't it? I didn't want to like, but I, I just had to say. Man rocked up with a boombox, put it down, and smashed it in the left-hand corner. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like, there's a thing about like, you, you, you doing the whole like, stick it. No, just like when balls move that much in the air and it's like, they move so much that the keepers lose jurisdiction. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's not my problem. It's not my jurisdiction. <laughs> this is like, oh, you're over the, you're, you're over the border. It's not my, you can't touch it. <laughs> It's an ec- it's I thought, ecumenical yeah, matter. I, a, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty amazing strike. I still, th- I still think, put it this way, I think, you know, we didn't, re- I don't think we gave him in quite enough love in the first part of the podcast, but I think that the way that Bono has been shot stopping in this tournament, right? I think maybe that extra slight elite, or even to be honest, like an Emmy Martinez, as much as he's pissed Some of the goalkeeping in this tournament, actually, actually, I think we haven't really talked about goalkeeping overall. Yeah, it's been, it's been really good, a lot of it. And, and ag- aggressive. With Pickford. Just very occasionally, and we're talking like the the the, the buzzword of a, of, a, of a knockout defeat margins margins margins, margins, margins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is. It's just that slight extra, really quick foot, like piece of uh, footwork that gets you just that extra, or gets you in sync to give you the maximum kind of leap or spring. Mm. I'm not sure. If, there'll be a load of like goalkeeping coaches being like, "What the hell are you talking about? That's not what we we don't use that terminology." <laughs> I still think he could have done a touch better because he almost, he basically got a finger to it. But yeah, I mean, it was a still still an unbelievable strike, yeah. and I think I think it just it just reeked a little bit of like I'm I know what they will least expect. Yeah, I'm just going to smash this in the bottom left hand corner. But then you see this man for Monica and what he was doing with the goals there. Oh. This man was like, well, put it this way: there's a reason why after claiming they had no money, they went after Camavinga and Chiuamini at Real Madrid in like back to back. I mean, yeah, because they were just like, we need this guy. What a smart investment those are looking like. I mean, wild amounts of money, but still, yeah. that's your midfield for the next twelve years. That's the thing. Well, I mean, it's like it's it, you have got a lockdown midfield for club and country there for however yeah, exactly. long. So I went down and Ross recruited the Supremes. <laughs> <laughs> just don't worry about anything else. Yeah, but let's just hope that it doesn't end with like the penalty that she hit in the opening. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking of penalties that ended matches. Well, well, let's get into that. So first one was great from Kane. Yes, and actually, well, the first one foreshadowed the miss. Because, Ooh. because, so clear penalty. Um, yeah. Saka brought down by Chiumeni. So Shaka's retro haircut, Saka's uh, retro haircut uh, trumped Chiumeni's, if you see that. Uh, twinkling footwork. Does Saka, does Saka have a retro? High, t- high top fade, kind of, kind of. It kind of is, man. It kind of is. Like it's been around a while. It's, mm, it's been around a while. Like we sit, put it this way, would not be out of place. But it's not short around the back though. The fade's not on the back. Either. Would not it's be out of place sides. in the 80s though. Would not be out of place in the 80s. Not, not hating on it. Love it, but still anyway. Listen, uh, listen, you're a little bit older than me, so I'm going to take you <laughs> Yeah, you've had hair longer than I have, so, you know. Um, I am growing quite long, though. I look a bit like, I look a bit like Wolverine. A Frank Zappa. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, this has been quite a Frank Zappa podcast, actually, hasn't it? A little bit all over the place. Yes. <laughs> 
It's like fusion records. There are two good bars in every four minute long song. <laughs> That's basically what the stadio is. That's this podcast. Listen, right, they knew what this was. Listen. So anyway. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think some people are kind of like, they thought they did and they're not so sure anymore. I'm confused. Yeah. It's our first stadio. It was our first men's world cup, isn't it? So it's our first world cup period. So. That's true, actually. That is true. A stadio. Gosh, no time at all. Anyway, sorry, before I forget, uh, the Kane anyway. penalty. Yes. So the reason that Kane's penalty miss was foreshadowed by his goal, clatters it in the corner, beautiful, confident penalty. So when it comes to the next penalty, right? So after um, France go ahead again with a wonderful, wonderful header from Giroud, deep cross from Griezmann out on the flank at a time when actually England looked slightly in the ascendancy. It's a bit of a sucker punch. Mm. I mean, it came off uh, Harry Maguire's shoulder into the Yeah, like, so it's a little bit. But the leap was great. The run was Thank unbelievable. You. Absolutely right. So he, Giroud crashing, crashing the box, the beautiful man crashing the box. So then that happens. And then you have Teo Hernandez just pulling back Mason Mount bizarrely for the penalty. So weird. Such a bizarre foul. Such a bizarre, just, you know, a head rush. So now the reason why I think this was foreshadowed, the miss is because Lloris is then like, okay, Kane loves that corner. Mm-hmm. He knows that I'm good at diving. He knows I'm a shot stopper. He knows I'm aggressive off my line. So he's going to go and generate the most power he can, which is when he goes across his body to the top left-hand corner. Yeah. And now Kane is like, this is chicken because he knows that Lloris is going to do that corner and Lloris knows he's going to go there too. So Kane's like, I've got to go a bit higher because Lloris is good enough. He's like an Emmy Martinez. Lloris is good enough to cover the entire bottom half of the goal with a good dive. He can get a top hand to it. So Kane goes high and that's why it goes over because he over, he overcorrects. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And the yeah. moment, the moment he goes to the spot, I'm like, I can see this. And this is why I think you have the celebration at the end. The France players are like leaping to Lloris and they're congratulating because I don't think they were just simply going wow, it's over the bar. They're going, no, we saw what you did. We saw that you actually, you and Kane went toe to toe and you basically gave Kane, like Kane didn't have that much to aim at. People are going to look at it go, it went high over the bar. Yes, it did. But Kane didn't have more than the width of, I think, half a bedsheet to aim at. With a, with a goalkeeper of that quality. This was the thing. When you see like that guy in goal um, against Messi, uh, the messy penalty against oh, Noppet. Yeah, Noppet. The messy penalty against Noppet is unbelievable. The one where he sits him down in the. Uh... Messi beats a guy who's yeah. six for eight on his own line and stands him up. It's unbelievable. With, and with, 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 with a, a strike of the ball whose penalties you have studied. Lloris yeah. will be thinking, I know that X percent of the time. Kane well, he's, goes probably, he's, he's fucking training with him day to day. Trains with him. He's looking, penalties. At, he's, like, he's, like, he's looking at his non-kicking foot. He's looking at the body leg. He's looking at the shoulders. He's looking at everything. He's like, I've seen this so yeah. many times in training. You know, that moment. Think how many, you're right, how many penalties has that been foreshadowed by? Unreal. Yeah. So the, the, again, I was again, born in the goal. I was born, you, 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 you merely adopted the shootout. <laughs> so yeah, um, congratulations to... Lloris rather than commiserations for Kane because I think he'll get more stick than he deserves for that penalty miss. I mean, I still think he should have got it on target because I think he had the right idea. Going central, right. I think, was, was the right thing to do because also, remember, he will know Lloris's movements as much as Lloris will know his movements. Yeah. So he will have practiced penalty after penalty after penalty against Lloris for a long, long time. Countermeasures to his countermeasures. And, yeah. Like, Womack and Womack. So then um, it goes, there's 2-1 and it goes deep into injury time. Uh, eight minutes added. And then Rashford gets one final charge, hits the box. The oh, foul really unlucky. And he hits a superb free kick. Yeah. And the sad thing is, 
He hit a superb free kick. He'll probably remember for the rest of his life. He'll probably regret it and be like, I should have done this, but no, there's not a thing. There's not a thing more Rashford could have done with that free kick, I think. I think he caught it absolutely flush and clean and it wasn't to be. Mm. And France advance. Uh, a few slight nitpicky things about this game for me. Yeah. I still think that while we know that it is extremely, well, I think inherent, inherently you get to the finals of tournaments by being secure. Mm. And therefore, I can understand international managers getting to knockout stages of tournaments and being conservative. Mm. I still think that games like this now we've seen, like for example, I think we've seen in terms of the length of the cycle, England come unstuck against, I'd say more of the last two tournaments as opposed to the, the final in, in 2018. I think the last two tournaments, I mean, losing a final on penalties is such, is such a tiny margin. Yeah, yeah right, right. But I do think that England had the quality to beat Italy in, that, in, that, in those Euros. I agree. I think England had the quality to beat France in this World Cup. I think that England have the firepower to beat France in this World Cup. And I think the frustrating thing for me and the only thing that I would really have an issue with, well, a couple of things actually, the timing of Southgate subs again. Mm. Personally, as soon, as soon as England scored that first penalty, in my head, I was like, now you, now you make the change. Now you bring on Mount. Mm. You, because it's not, just a, it's not just a personnel thing or a systems thing. It's a psychological thing. Okay, it's yeah. a kind of like, right, we're back in this. We're actually going to win the game. We're going to win the game. Mm. And you occupy that France back four a little bit more and you occupy their central midfield in a different way to how Henderson would have done it. I would have taken Henderson off at that point, brought on Mount because I think that you then can essentially play Bellingham and Mount as the two eights and just have Rice sitting because Rice has got an engine and Henderson just looked, he didn't look knackered, but you could tell he looked a little tiny also, bit Mount is, venge- Mount is vengeful. I mean, he's got that penalty. You saw how quick he went forward for that penalty and, he, and he's just, he's super busy. And, mm. You know, he played really well in that first game, Mount. I was unlucky to, to, to drop to the bench for the rest of the tournament. But I also thought that Rashford at that point would have been really good. The problem was you probably would have had to take off Foden you're changing too many variables at once, aren't you? Because the thing, about Foden, the thing about Foden was Foden was solving a lot of problems defensively. Because remember, it was only 54 minutes in. So I think the Mount thing. at that time would have been good. Good shout, yeah. Just and increase maybe, the maybe Rashford on earlier instead of Sterling for Saka because Sterling, remember, has had a really weird week going home and then coming back again. And Rashford was locked in. Rashford yeah. was locked in. Uh, so I think if you were going to make those changes, make them the other way around. Because I think if you have a, a, a fresh Rashford on one wing and Saka, like, you know, was causing them so many problems down that side, England struggled to look quite as dangerous after Saka went off. I That's thought. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, all of that in just lumped into England. I think the biggest disappointment would be that England failed to create any really, really good chances in open play against the France side that I think they could have done. The weakest part of that France side, think about it, in terms of form, it's probably the centre-back pairing. Oh, without question. With the fluidity that England have up front, the ability that Kane has to drift and for Saka and Foden to cut in behind and the players that England had on the bench they could have brought on to change the game. Even bringing on Grealish earlier to really just go at Kunde. Go get him behind, yeah. You know, I just... It would have been really good to see England try and go and win that game. Because remember, even if they got the penalty, even if they'd scored the penalty, they might still not have won the game. Right. And I really think that that momentum of 
getting level because I think France knew they were in a game. And I, to be honest, I think France were probably a little bit surprised that they went in at halftime one a lot. No, those celebrations looked relieved. Yeah, they knew we, that they'd got away with one, France. We got, we got, without, without question, yeah. I think France would have looked at who was left in the tournament. It was like, if we can get past these, and this is what we said about, you know, disrespect or underestimate Morocco at your peril. But if you are, you've got to flip it the other way around. If you're an international manager and I'm an international manager of this French team, mm. I'm like, if we can get England out of the way. We know what to do. We, I, think we're all, I think we're okay. There is yeah. no one that would probably scare us quite as much. And I'm not saying they're right to think that, but I think if I was the manager of, of, of France, I'd be like, I don't think anyone would scare me quite as much as England. Because they've either. navigated every kind of challenge remaining in the tournament at this point. They did Argentina. Mm-hmm. They took Argentina's best shot four years ago. Ferocious shot. Ferocious. Mm-hmm. And still did them 4-3. They know what Argentina have to offer, absolutely. Um, and they've navigated that final stage better. And they have the now in the dressing room. And also now, this France team, everyone's earned it. Every it's, member of the France 11, it's now, they, like, it's now Rabiot's team. It's now Chouamani's team. They've all taken ownership. They're and I just, think they've done yeah. it with the guidance of the guys who've done it. Yeah, really And I have. think you could really tell in some moments that this was, this was a, a lot of this squad. It's like, no, we've been here before. This is muscle memory. Def- oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I feel, I don't feel, I don't know. I don't, to be honest, I feel if I'm being brutally honest after what we've spoken about, I, I kind of, the, the football didn't seem to take a huge amount of priority for me today. Um, oh yeah. Just within the tournament itself and how we felt about the tournament. And in general, I think I, you know, I, I don't really feel a huge amount of disappointment of England exiting the tournament to France at the quarterfinal stage. It's so str- Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> I know, man. They're every four years and not a lot of people have actually won World Cups. I think it's like this, you know how we talk about sometimes when people relate to club football and they're like, yeah, but how many, <laughs> how many Champions Leagues has so-and-so got? It's like, the Champions it's, really, it's really hard to win an FA Cup. It's like, let alone a Champions League and let alone a World Cup where it happens every four years. And mm. you have to hope that you arrive at a time where you and a load of other ran, like random players from the same country that you were born in come together at a cycle. Yes. It's, you know, I feel like, yeah, there were issues there, but it's France. So, yeah, so much has to coincide. Again, Does that it's, sound too fancy? No, a load of no, people are going to no, be in might be like, no, it's just get like, off the fence, Ryan. This is just like, look, here's the thing. This is just like 2014 France losing to Germany 1-0 with a header from Hummels. And Benzema couldn't quite get it done. This is exactly the same vibe where, yeah, France could have gone on and won it, but four years later they came back and did it. And England now, if you look at the players and how they've stepped up, Marcus Rashford to me is the future number nine of England, in my opinion. I think he has the goods to move centrally. Saka, Foden, they've boosted their claims, their credentials. Bellingham has just gone to another level. These players are going to be here in four years' time. The core is there. Like, and yeah, it's painful, yeah, it's stress. And yes, I'm maybe a bit like yourself, a bit more um, detached from it because frankly, and I can say this honestly, a peek behind the curtain, with half an hour to go to kickoff, I just really couldn't think too much about football. And when I got to thinking about football, when I got to sort of, you know, watch the game and it started and everything, obviously with, you know, everything that happened, Grant, got to watch the game. I was like, yeah, it's just a 
there's no shame in losing to this France team. They're just further ahead in their cycle, just like Germany were in 2014. They're just further ahead and they've worked stuff out in a way that England haven't. And the next tournament, England will have worked stuff out. And actually, someone who's emerged really well from this, who got a lot of criticism before, is Gal Southgate because he managed a lot of stuff really, really well. And he's not like other coaches who went out and you can say, oh, there, there, that was a glaring problem. Southgate can say, I could have made better adjustments, but I didn't do anything that was overwhelmingly spectacularly naive. That was an obvious weakness. I just came up short. The team came up short. And that happens in big tournaments. The only thing I'd say, Southgate needs to go on one of those, like, I think I've referenced this before, but it's like when Eno went and lived with Cluster in the house in the German countryside for a summer and chopped wood and came back and was like, guys, I've invented ambient music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like Southgate needs to do a little bit of a... Get a co-producer. It's like Gareth Southgate comes back for the next Euros in Germany. He's just like, basically, what all I did was I went back and watched loads of music concrete documentaries and now <laughs> we're playing like a... We're, <laughs> we're playing a one, three, four, do you know two, <laughs> and we're going to fucking smash everyone. Do you like Carrie Fisher? He needs his Carrie Fisher. You know how like Carrie Fisher did all this uncredited work on scripts, the script doctor? Yeah. He needs like a script doctor, someone to come in and just add a bit of heft and emotion in different places and be like, okay, like I've got the structure sorted out. I just need to add the kind of like the emotional beats. Only half joking. It wouldn't be the worst thing. And I'm sure Southgate does this already. Wouldn't be the worst thing if he just went and had a couple of dinners with, I'm sure he says already, with World Cup winning managers. And it's like, what are the things that got you over the line? And I'm not, I'm not sort of, not sounds really patronizing, but like, just be like, what are the intangible things? Or you had a campaign that was really amazing and you fell short for whatever reason. You're like, ah, oh, there was a thing that didn't quite click. And then you go and be like, okay, I'll try that. You know, because actually that's not the uncommon, they do it in basketball all the time, don't they? The NBA, mm-hmm. they're always learning from older people and like, you know, older coaches who've navigated a certain problem and be like, oh, have you tried X, Y, Z? And Southgate might be like, oh, I, I never, you know, I never thought of that. So maybe it's that. All right. Anything else you want to add? Oh, just before we go, uh, Manuel Neuer broke his leg on a ski trip and will I miss mean, the rest of the season for Bayern Munich. Uh, one of the wildest injuries I've heard of for a while. Um, I'm sure we will talk about that much more on Stadio. Yes. When men's club football returns. Although we will, just a disclaimer, we'll, we'll finalise the schedule and everything, but we are going to take a couple of weeks off. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's wise. We'll, we'll record a couple of things that will roll out through Christmas, but we're going to take a couple of weeks mm. off around Can I, that time. Uh, actually, while we, um, anything I want to sort of mention just at the end, it's an obvious choice, but um, given how we started the show, Grant's work, I think, is the best legacy. I think checking out Grant's work, um, reading up how he's been reporting the tournament, grantwild.substack.com forward slash subscribe, and just go and check out the pieces he was writing throughout this tournament because so well reported with so much care. Mm. I mean, the last, I mean, day 25, I mean, look, look at the title of this. I mean, yeah. They just don't care as a title of this tweet, of this uh, article. Qatari World Cup organisers don't even hide their apathy over migrant worker deaths, including the most recent one. I mean, mm-hmm. that is the level of what he was doing. And yeah. if, the thing is, though, if you look like further up the timeline, he's tweeting about like Brazil and Croatia and Juranovic. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about receiving an award for like great journalism from like Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, the phenomenon. Like, so it's all in his timeline. This is someone who loved football, loved the best, had an idea of the best version of football and didn't allow, and this is the thing I will always take away from his work, 
he did not allow the grim stuff of the field to distract him from the beauty on it and vice versa. He never allowed himself to be distracted by the angels or by the demons. And I think that is, that's the highest praise I can give his work and, and his love of football. It was a true love, I think. Oh man, what a day. Um, what a day. Let's get out of here. We Still. hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Don't forget to check Wright's house with Ian and Musa and Carl on Sunday. Stadio will be back after the semi-finals. I think we're going to be recording the mornings after the semi-finals this week. Um, we'll see though. We'll, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll, we'll see, see how we feel. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, and yeah, Stadio Actress plays on Spotify. Speaking of which, we're playing out on Pastor T.L. Barrett and the Youth for Christ Choir, a track called Like a Ship Without a Sail. Anything you want to add, Musa Wonga? Nothing further. In that case, much love, everyone. And we will see you later in the week or next week. Even. See you then.